said, we commence today's program with this. The right to vote, to have your vote counted, is the threshold of democracy and liberty. With it, anything's possible. Without it, without that right, nothing is possible. On Sunday, President Joe Biden traveled to Selma, Alabama to commemorate the 58th anniversary of Bloody Sunday. The violent crackdown on voting rights activists led by John Lewis and Hosea Williams as they attempted to march across the Edmund Pettus Bridge on their way to Montgomery. Please be joined by April England Albright, legal director of Black Voters Matter and co-organizer of BVM's Return to the Bridge. Fight for the Vote uh, uh, March. I am pleased to welcome uh, April in March to this program. April, how are you today? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I'm glad to have you on. A uh, little play on words there. Uh, anyway, a little, little, yeah. little humor to start, a little levity to start today. I'm so used to it. I am so used to it. <laughs> I, I, was, I was about to say, I, I know that ain't the first time you've heard that, so anyway. No, and April is usually even harder, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, uh, so forgive my corniness. I just couldn't resist. I couldn't resist. Uh, <laughs> d- delighted to have you on for this half hour. Let me start with this, an, an honest confession. I said this yesterday on our program for those who were listening. I hope that was you, 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 and you. Um, but we, in a conversation yesterday, I made the point that while I understand symbolism, symbolism matters. Uh, to me, uh, April, substance matters more. I'm sure you and I agree on that point. And I said yesterday that, that, I, that I frankly, and I've been there a number of times myself, but I frankly yeah. am sort of over these annual treks to Selma every year. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the presidents do it. The candidates do it. Everybody runs to Selma. Everybody walks across the bridge. But the reason why I'm sort of over it, because ain't nothing happening on voting rights. So it's, it's this yeah. it's this symbolic gesture every year. And I get it. I don't want to demean it, but I, I'm kind of burnt out on it. And I haven't said that. I don't live in Alabama. I'm not doing the work you're doing down there. So maybe I'm uh, maybe you should slap me. I don't know. Well, not literally, but maybe you should push back on me. But that's just my view that these marches year in and year out, these treks year in and year out are just getting old to me. I say that with all the respect I can muster. What say you? Well, you know, I think you're right. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And so there are many layers to what happens, you know, at the Jubilee. You know, I've been doing it now myself uh, since, you know, for 20 years mm-hmm. and played, you know, various roles of organizing it, organizing the events. And I will say that there is a multi-layer purpose. You know, one of the primary purpose is really for data and I just, you know, grassroots people mm-hmm. to come and find a way to connect to each other, right, to see common cause in each other, and to just be reignited. Because sometimes when you are living in the South, right, mm-hmm. in states like Alabama and others that are consistently, you know, passing laws, regressive voting restriction laws, then you get, you know, it can get lonely, mm-hmm. right? And it can get, you know, frustrating. And so, you know, the Jubilee has a, is a place and has been a place where people who are doing the work where folks in their communities come together and are reminded and see the bridge to re- you know, reinvigorate them to continue the fight. Yes. So I think that that continues to be one of the most primary purposes. Now, there are also opportunities to, like, for example, LDF each year, you know, kind of holds a State of the Union mm-hmm. where they facilitate a discussion about what's happening in the courts. What's happening in the states? And it gives people valuable information. It's not just a march, in other words. There are different workshops happening on Friday and Saturday to kind of elevate the discussion around what's happening with voting rights in this country, right, and other important civil rights issues for black people and marginalized people. And so the march certainly punctuates it. 
it certainly has become, you know, the famous photo op for mm. those seeking office. But what we try to do is make it be true to its initial purpose, nope. right, which is to keep us focused on this issue because we haven't gotten what we're supposed to have in this country. And that's why I wanted to have you on. I knew there's a backstory to that, and uh, now I feel more educated about all the other things that are going on around the march, as you put it, the photo op that people rush to <coughs> excuse me, every year around this time on that Eben Pettus Bridge. When we come forward, let's talk about what does, in fact, matter. Voting rights. That's the work that uh, April England Albright does every day, uh, the legal director for Black Voters Matter. Uh, and I want to talk about that and whether or not in this moment, now that Democrats, thankfully, um, because somebody from the South, uh, specifically a guy named Raphael Warnock, was able to win in Georgia, uh, Democrats now have a little cushion in the Senate. Uh, and is now that moment where something actually gets done on voting rights. Uh, we'll talk about that when we come forward with April England Albright on KBLA Talk 1580. Let's unpack a little bit more with Tavis Smiley. The conversation continues right now. Right now. All right, April England Albright, uh, again, delighted to have you on uh, in this half hour. So let's talk about voting rights. We, we again, saw President Biden on the bridge with uh, a litany of other uh, electeds and beyond. Uh, but uh, where are we um, as you see it, as your organization sees it, on the all-important issue of voting rights and voting rights protections? Well, there are no protections. And, you know, it hasn't been that way since the Shelby v. Held, you know, um, holding in 2017. And mm -hmm. so, you know, since that time, we have literally been fighting to get voting rights protections that are no longer there. And then you have this assault in most of the southern states to create even more restrictive laws. I mean, we call them, you know, the, the new Jim Crow, because essentially what they're doing is weaponizing the administration, you know, of elections to prevent or limit the access, you know, of marginalized voters and black voters, you know, to the, to the ballot mm -hmm. and, and to the polls. And so there are significant issues. And we've been trying to fight for federal legislation for the past two years. And even though, there has, you know, the last last year, for example, you know, the Democrats held both houses, mm -hmm. right? Um, this 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 relic of the filibuster uh, has prevented uh, the needed passing of this legislation, and the Democrats, you know, have not even even President Biden, right, for for a while refused to say that the filibuster needed to go away in order to pass this very important legislation. It was very good to hear him this past week say that he does not believe the filibuster should prevent passage. But now you say that at a time when the House is no longer under the majority of the Democrats, right? Mm -hmm. And so we find ourselves, you know, in this struggle uh, in litigation as well as, you know, um, with Congress, you know, finding a, you know, a roadblock, uh, trying to get this legislation that we need passed you know, to kind of protect us from what's happening at the, at the state level. Mm -hmm. So what, what what's your expectation then um, for what will or will not happen in the Senate? You're right, they don't control the House anymore, um, but they do have, as I said, there's some cushion in the Senate. Uh, is there going to be some advancement there, you think? Well, again, we need them to decide that the filibuster will not prevent the passage of legislation. And, you know, and so we're asking them to take this measure up, you know, because you know, oftentimes we say that, you know, for years, even when the Republicans did not have the majority, they continued to pass legislation to undo Obamacare. Well, mm -hmm. we need to have the same attitude, right, that we need to continue to try to put forth legislation. But the only way to do that is if the Democrats in Congress with solidarity decide that they 
need to undo the filibuster, right? Mm -hmm. So that they can actually pass legislation, you know, in the Senate to do so. Because right now, nothing can happen because you will continue to need 60 plus people in order to, you know, get, get any legislation on the floor to even debate it. So we need them to do that. Of course, we know what's happening on the, the House side now. We know that the next two years, you know, we'll be address, you know, dealing with, you know, the loss of the majority of the Democrats. But the Senate should be actively moving and making the case and continuing to have this issue, you know, front and center nationally to help us as we advocate, you know, for better legislation at the state level. And that's my issue. At the moment, I don't see that happening. Um, uh, never mind what President Biden said at the bridge on Sunday. Um, I don't see that happening at the moment. I pray that that will, in fact, happen. Uh, and more than just praying, we have to work to make that happen. As you well know, you're doing it every day. But I don't see that kind of urgency, uh, which leads me to ask you, um, with regard to voting rights in the South in particular, what is the urgency of now? Well, the urgency of now looks like right now, the, you know, the state houses in Georgia, the Senate has in the committee another bill that's worse than the bill they they passed two years ago. And by the way, you know, our organization is in the throes of a lawsuit challenging that lawsuit. And folks can remember, you know, it was a lawsuit that, you know, made giving out water and food to, mm -hmm. to you know, to black voters standing in long lines mm -hmm. illegal. Mm -hmm. Well, they, they one-upped it, uh, you know, in this Senate. And they're trying to pass legislation that literally will do away completely with drop boxes, right? Mm. They're trying to make it easier for people to actually challenge voters. So someone could come in and have a blanket of, let's say, 100 or 200 black voters, and they now are trying to create a pathway to make it easier for those people to be disqualified without real due process. So, so they, are, they are at work. Mm. So that's a, there's a real threat right now as we are talking to voting rights in these states. And, of course, Georgia... You know, it's on the map, right? You yeah. know, as you talked about earlier, you know, the Senate's power was left in balance because of an election of a Senate here. Well, we got that sen another senator coming up, as well as the president. And as you, as everyone's aware, Georgia also turned blue, mm -hmm. uh, you know, three years ago. So, you know, they're busy at work trying to make sure that anything like that never happens again, that the voices of black voters here who had those monumental you know, um, victories doesn't happen again. So we've got to have this front and center. And it's not just Georgia, right? It's Florida. It's Texas. Every time they go in session, they think of even sharper ways mm. to make sure that marginalized folks don't, you know, have a voice. You know, it's happening in North Carolina. And it's happening in those places because black voters have done a lot to shift power in this country, in these states. Mm. And so it makes sense, right, that they do these types, of, they create these kind of laws in these states because what they want to do is shape the federal government in the same way that they're able through gerrymandering to shape these state governments and make it really hard for black and other marginalized people to have representation. So you, we've got to fight. You've got a few things now, April, that I want to get uh give you a chance to come expound on uh, and I'm not naive in asking this first question and to some degree you've already answered but I want to ask it more expressly in case there's another direction you want to move into uh, and, and that is this this issue of voter suppression uh, specifically in the south again not naive in asking this and again you've in part answered already but why are these efforts in these state houses um, so aggressive vis-a-vis uh, -vis voter suppression in these southern states what do you make of that well, we know the old saying is, as the, as the South goes, so does the country, mm -hmm. right? 
And it's consistently been that way. We've seen that in recent history. We've seen that with the abortion case. That original case, that that Dobbs decision, was Mm -hmm. from Mississippi, right? And so what they see is, you know, under the Trump, you know, administration, he, you know, inundated the court with very conservative, right-wing, right supremacist justices, right? So that they could undo a lot of the laws and protections that were in place in hopes that it would get to the U.S. Supreme Court. Because once it got there, immediately with the stroke of a pen, it could become law of the land. And so we see some of the most regressive principles, whether it's dealing with issues of gender identity, whether it's dealing with racial issues and representation of race, of, you know, of minority groups in this country. We've seen an even greater assault in the southern states. For example, North Carolina, another southern state, there's a very important decision, the Harper decision that the court's going to decide in this soon term mm-hmm. that will determine whether or not state legislatures can, without any um, balance of the Supreme Court in their state can draw lines the way they want to, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and do other electioneering without any type of check and balance. And so, yes, it's the North Carolina, but what that will begin to do is serve as a blueprint for other states to begin to think that they can legislate, continue to restrict voting rights without any type of review from courts in that state. And people don't realize this, but most state courts have even greater protections for people than sometimes the U.S. Supreme Court uh, Constitution. Mm -hmm. So those are the reasons why, you know, these state courts are aggressively doing this, because they know that whatever they produce here, if they can get it in the pipeline to the Supreme Court, it may soon become law of the land. And so people can't ignore. For many years, people want to ignore what's happening in the South. They want to ignore what's happening in Florida right now with CRT and the banning of books. But if people continue to ignore and not give resources to the organizers on the ground in Florida, you may be letting your next president, right, who can now take these policies that many people are calling fascist to the White House. So we've got work to do, and that is why they're doing what they're doing in the South and these state houses, because they know the greater implications. Now, I, you, you, you may or may not accept this. Uh, let me offer it to you anyway, April. Um, the more I think about it, and I was saying this to a friend of mine yesterday, the more I think about it, the more the South reminds me of apartheid South Africa. And here's what I mean by that. That in South Africa, blacks uh, always outnumbered uh, whites. Uh, never a question about that, obviously. Um, but the balance of power was held by the white minority, uh, and they controlled everything politically, economically, socially, culturally. They were in charge of everything uh, until apartheid, of course, came eventually uh, crashing down. Uh, and now black folk in uh, South Africa, at least politically, can control the agenda economically. Not so much. I see the same thing happening in the South. Uh, we're at a we're at, we're at a we're at a point now on the precipice of of this reality where African-Americans and other people of color in the South can control the political agenda, the economic agenda, slowly, 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 not so much there yet, but we're making progress in that regard. But politically, black folk in the South can control the agenda. It sort sort of reminds me of apartheid South Africa. That's how serious this is for me. What say you about that parallel? I think it's a good parallel. Um, I do know that in most of the southern states, you know, we aren't quite the majority, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we are 32%, 30%, you know, like I think, Per capita, Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, 
and now Georgia, you know, Alabama, you know, I think South Carolina, North Carolina, they're more or less like 20 something percent, 25 percent respectively. Mm-hmm. But that's a big number. Yes, right? that's, that's my a, point. That's a yeah. number that can absolutely influence a political agenda. But that's we've right. got to have one. Yeah, we've got to have one. And so part of the work that we have to do is internal. It's within our communities. We have to begin to make sure that we're clear about collectively what is our agenda in that in each state. Mm-hmm. And so through Black Voters Matter, part of our, you know, building of our infrastructure is usually identifying those groups that are doing that black power building work in different communities and finding ways to create coalitions so that we can all get on the same page. And you're absolutely correct, right? Because voting is one thing, right? Political representation is, an, is one thing, but also to where are we in terms of economic ability? Where's the capital yeah. to match what our desires are, yeah. right? And so we have to, on that front, as well, you know, through our organization, we have specific programs that actually challenge different models in these small communities, like promoting, you know, trying to find resources to expand cooperative, you know, um, you know, programs and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and businesses, because that those models help to share wealth. Yeah. Uh, we've got to start. And I just raised that because in all, on all fronts. Collectively, as a people, we have to come internally and determine what are our goals, Mm -hmm. right? Reparations, are we serious about it? If we're serious about it, how can we make that actually happen in this country, Mm -hmm. right? That needs to all come, we all need to come together and not be bifurcated in terms of our goals. And if we can begin to do that, even in the South, even if we can do that here, then we can begin to figure out, because you can't tell me, we built this country. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have the ability, right, the genius to come together and create an agenda and solve our problems. Yeah. But it, we're so separated right now in terms of our goals that it's very hard to do that in a sustained way. You have two things. I got about 30 seconds left here. Uh, two things. Number one, as you were talking, I was thinking about the state of Mississippi that you referenced earlier, the state of my birth. In fact, um, just to make a point here, Mississippi has more black elected officials than any state in the country. Think about that. Think of think of all the hell they're still enduring in Mississippi, but they have more mm-hmm. black electives than any state in the country. Uh, and so it shows you again that political political representation in and of itself is not enough. You need uh, you need some economic power as well. And then the other issue that April raised, which I have her back on, I promise to discuss. I want to just have you back on to talk about this, this issue of gerrymandering. I've made the point many times that, to my mind, gerrymandering is one of the greatest threats to our very democracy. Not just to, to our political representation, but to our democracy. Gerrymandering is a huge threat. We'll have you back on uh, uh, soon to talk about that. I really want to probe your your, your insights uh, on that issue. For now, though, uh, April England Albright, we thank you for your work and witness as legal director for Black Voters Matter. Thank you for this conversation. As I promise we'll do it again. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Stay strong.